0: I'm a feminist but this week I was quite depressed about my life and then I got my period (laughs) and immediately became happy and optimistic (laughs) and I thought I love being a menstruating woman because the circumstances don't need to change for everything to get better. Your hormones do most of the heavy lifting (laughs) and I think that is an amazing way to live. It is. You are your own poetry. (laughs) You look out the window, and within five minutes, the view is completely different, although nothing has changed. (laughs) And that is down to your body, your amazing, amazing body. If you're a menstruating woman, that is something that's happening. Now, listen, I acknowledge that the menstruating body has been the thing that's made you depressed in the first place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's its own, you know, abuser. But... When it lifts you up, it lifts you right up. And you think, I feel better than if I had not felt down. It's a bit like you hit (laughs) your hand with a hammer. So nice when that hurting stops, doesn't it? (laughs) It's shit being a woman, man. That sounds like... If someone said, this is what
4: is coming, I would have been like, nah, you're right. (laughs) That that sounds genuinely awful. I'm a feminist, but... I only do the guilty feminist uh, to catch up with Deborah. That's not true. It is. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. You can all go. It isn't. You can all leave. You can honestly all go. No, it isn't. It's because, no, it's an absolute joy and I love it. But it is nice to
0: see you as well. Sure. No, it's nice to to see you too. That's not true, by the way. What, that it's nice to see me? Yeah. (laughs) No, I know, I know. I'm a feminist, but this week I discovered a new makeup brand. I discovered on my own, nobody gave me anything free, nobody paid me anything to say anything or anything like that. And no one has paid me to say anything, and I haven't said anything. But I really want to share it on Instagram because it's cruelty free and vegan and it's really really good like I put it on and I'm like wow you look amazing and I saw Gina who I see you know every other day who I work with and she went oh my god you look amazing I was like I know I know right and I said I really want to put it on Instagram and sort of say cruelty free vegan and look at my amazing face because I just want to share it with people because I think women want to know that right yeah, you, yes, people want to know that. But also, I thought, but then are the people going to think I'm influencing? Because sometimes I do. If somebody, if I buy something, I really like it, I'll put it on. Someone said the other day, Are you an influencer now? I was like, No, I was just saying, like, I bought this new necklace and I think it's amazing. And she was saying, Oh, it looks like you're an influencer. So I was like, I don't want people to think I'm an influencer. And I think everybody does things for noble and ignoble reasons. And what we do is we play out the noble reason to ourselves, and we reinforce that. And if anyone says, are you doing something ignoble, what we do is go, no, noble, noble, here are my noble reasons. So my noble reason for wanting to say the name of this brand is we should all be using more vegan, sustainable, cruelty-free things. My ignoble reason is they might send me some for free. <laughs> it's Charlotte Tilbury. And it's called... Something like camera. I've, I brought it out actually. Let's see. I get it out. You, you
4: really want that free shit in it? <laughs> no shade,
0: but um, uh, also um, <laughs> you've changed. You're also going to be on throwing shade next week. Hold on, which we've just heard. airbrush flawless. Okay, uh, stays all day and all night. No, nope. it says all night. Yeah.
4: I mean, oh, no, is it like, in if way. you wear it during <laughs> the day, it'll the stay on the and then the evening. Not that it will stay on all oh, day and not. night. That no.
0: stressed me out immediately. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it is the best I've had. Charlotte Tillsbury... Yeah. And look, if they don't send me anything for free, that's also fine. I'm doing it for my noble reason. If they do, that would be lovely. If you're listening... Is it Charlotte... Is that why i saying the name right? Because if I say the name wrongly, it? they won't give me anything. Charlotte... Was it? Is Charlotte, it?
4: Charlotte Tilbury. 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 Fuck, so to so say S. No LAUGHTER but, you've ruined
0: that. Oh, uh, not their brand you've, ambassador. You've ruined that. Of course, they won't send you anything now. Charlotte Tilbury. Tilbury. Uh, Til- <laughs> Tilbury. <laughs> I also bought their magic cream. Yeah, are people recommend. I don't, I don't, how come? Why has no one told me this? Everyone here knows this. You're already influenced. You didn't influence me. <laughs> I've been struggling with dry skin for like all year. And I've Apache patchy foundation and all of you held this to yourselves. That is not feminism. Where is my solidarity? Who else knows about Charlotte Tilbury? Come forward. Raise your hand. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, well. You then, are, I should you be a brand ambassador because now I can be the leader of this. You're already influenced. Can, you, can people cheer if they might use it but did not know about it till now? There you go, Charlotte Tilbury, if you're listening. And you will be, because someone will tell you to someone listen. Someone is going yeah. to. Okay. <clears throat> Cruelty free. <laughs> Hashtag, that one's vegan. I don't think the magic cream's vegan, because it's got something like silk in it. Okay. In
5: okay.
0: it? What? Okay, we S- could. doesn't matter. Matrix rabbit hole, I'm not going to yeah. do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry.
5: Sorry, darling. Okay. Sorry.
4: Um, okay. I'm a feminist, but I've been telling people that the reason why I've started pole dancing classes is because I want to get stronger and I want to get in touch with my body. I really want to harness my, my personal energy and, um, and, you know, get in touch with my space. Um, <laughs> <Sorry>. but, <laughs> <laughs> but the real reason why I've started pole dancing classes is because I really, really, really... Want to look really good when I'm having sex on top.
0: Everyone has a noble reason and an <laughs> ignoble reason. <laughs> yeah, they do. Live from the London Podcast Festival at Pinks.com. Hello, hosts and very special guests, Sabrina Mahfouz, Chris Whitehead, and Green Otham, talking about Fresh Starts. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis-White, with me is Akoma, and we're talking about Fresh Starts. Woo! So, uh... Susie, have you had a guilty week or a feminist week? <laughs> um,
4: I've had... <laughs> That was too deep a laugh, wasn't it? Um, I think I've had a week. Do you Good know what? Answer. I've had a week. Yes. I tell you what, actually, I was... Um, you know when you were like oh going on?" she's like filming films and stuff and I was like <laughs> whatever and, um, and I actually have um, been shooting a film uh, been shooting a film called Nola Holmes which is going to be out next year with Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill and Helena Bonham Carter and um, yeah yeah oh, I've changed <laughs> I'm different now um, I'm expensive. Um.
0: <laughs> is that why your hair's purple? Is it? Is no. this just what happens if you hang around with Helena Bonham Carter? Yeah, basically. To your hair. <laughs> Have you thought <laughs> about wearing Vivian Westwood? Um, I had not understood that that was contagious. It is. So get You've got a case of the whenever. Bonham Carter. <laughs> Because the shape of your hair is Bonham Carter. Is it? Yeah, you look like you I should be in a Vivian Westwood dress. Oh my God, just, have I single white femaled <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter? <laughs> uh, I, no, I think she's imposed it upon you. I think oh. it's more likely to be that way around, isn't it? White people. <laughs> <laughs> I apologise. Uh, uh, daily. Uh, (laughs) All the time. Whenever you WhatsApp me, you start with, I'm sorry, and then launch whatever you have to say. I do, I do. Although Susie and I do have a running joke about Susie's black privilege, because (laughs) one time she called me, and I was spread eagle in a tanning booth, and I said, you will never know the indignity of standing in paper pants while somebody slowly spray paints you from head to top in the freezing cold with your erect nipples and Susie said no black privilege <laughs> mm. also that time you were in LA and you <laughs> pointed out in your bikini that uh, cellulite doesn't show up on you
4: oh no I didn't did I?
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> that was a straight up lie but I was obviously yeah. like trying to make you feel bad no which no. is awful. Susie Susie uh, probably it twice Price really twice yearly will tweet me black privilege uh and the, just so you know. Like,
4: it's just, <laughs> just to keep you in your place, like oh, <laughs> King's Place, oh Royal Albert Hall, I'll be like, that privilege, we've yep. got it too. So like
0: <laughs> um, What kind of week have you had? Oh, um, I would say I've had a strong work week, mm. but also quite a hormonal week. So I'm going with feminist. Fair. Fair. <laughs> I don't know why it's fair. It's not fair. fair. It is not f- awful, it's really annoying. Uh, no, I'm gonna say hormones are feminist. <laughs> So we're talking about fresh starts. Yeah. Sometimes, as a feminist, it's hard to start again. I think you know, it's hard for anybody to start again. Yeah. But I think I feel like women, mm. and then add to that any other intersections of marginalisation or oppression, mm-hmm. even more so. I feel like we have to start again a lot because I think the world is not designed for us and. Yeah patriarchal forces often squeeze us out of situations. So I feel often we're at the wrong end of a toothpaste tube and suddenly we're like, what? I've been Mm. squeezed out of this position. I thought I was going to get this promotion. Oh my God, I was accidentally dating a sociopath. Oh my (laughs) God, I was, do you know what I mean? Like all of those things that just, you have to do the restart thing. Or you suddenly, you think you're in a good situation and you go, no, this is not a good situation. And then your responsibility to get out and restart and rebuild and reboot. Mm And then you have to reassess. So then you have to do the work on yourself Mm -hmm. while reassembling the building blocks of your life. Yeah. Do you know what? I was talking to someone about this and...
4: We were talking about, like, how... This is sort of a very actory thing, but I think it is wider. With acting, your casting bracket, so that is, like, the ages of which you can play, change very abruptly. So I started acting when I was 17, so, right, I'm a teenager, I'm playing kids, I'm playing kids, kids, and then all of a sudden you turn 20, and it's like, oh, you're a young woman, you're an ingenue, what are you, who are you, I don't know. And then you turn 24, and it's like, mm, you're a woman now, and you might have a baby, you might have a little baby, just a little baby, and then you turn 27, it's like, yeah, you definitely, you've definitely definitely had a couple of babies, like, don't have a couple of babies. And then you're 34 and then they're like, "Mm, I think you've had about five babies and you have a drinking problem. (laughs) And then then you turn 47 they're like, you're grandma. And then you turn 62 and they're like, you're dead. (laughs) And I think that what that does to you is not only is it quite upsetting and confusing because a lot of the times I'll speak to older actresses who go, I still feel like the ingenue. I still feel sexy and I'm still, you know, living my life. But you're told this is what you are now. So you kind of like feel like you have to constantly reassess who you are or like how people see you. Whereas a lot of men in the industry, cis men, they don't have to get to grips with that until there's like a physical change. And even then,
0: you know, you can still play like the love interest if you're 62 or something like that. That does seem to be the case, doesn't it? Yeah. The men get older and it's almost as if the women, they play opposite as romantic leads get younger. Yeah, it's weird. It is weird, isn't it? That sort of like it wouldn't be any big deal to see George Clooney mm-hmm. playing opposite my lover. Yeah, yeah, it would your... make total sense.
4: I would. Well, in, in fact, if, 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 in fact, in um, fact, <laughs> if George is listening, forget what the fucker said,
0: <laughs> and let's do this. That, I'm a feminist, but that's not. <laughs> That's sorry, definitely not the point of this bit, though, I know. is it? That, the whole that was, my, a that was my point. That's. <laughs> I feel we veered off. I feel we veered off. It would be inappropriate for you to date John Hamm because of his old oh, age. Come on now, like I don't know. <laughs> if you end up doing a love scene with John Hamm, yeah, I will be fine with it. You won't. No, <laughs> but, I, will. Janella, oh, I will. I met John Hamm
4: in New York, right, and I told Deb that you were furious. What? You,
0: you would furious? not give me my blessing. You would not give your Blessed if I had to do a sex. Scene, no, I know. absolutely would. You I would be d- happy. D- it was happening to one of us, and I would ask. <laughs> and I would ask if I could come to the set and watch. Fair, fair. If, I think it would be a closed set though, because it, if it's a sex, I scene, won't make that closed. I'll be inviting the press.
4: <laughs> I will be like, listen, Daily Mail. I don't like you, but come true. Bring your long lens. Have a look at this. <laughs>
0: Dating male sidebar of yes, shame. Yes, I can. To bring... Black privilege.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Please, welcome to the microphone, the one, the only, the incredible Susan Wakama. <laughs> Hello.
4: Right. Okay. Fresh starts. Fresh starts. I was thinking about my life <laughs> and uh, I was thinking, oh, how many fresh starts have I had? And I don't really think I've had that many. I don't think I've had any like massive reinventions um, or anything like that. It's just basically my life has just been the same. But I do think that one thing is true of my life. That is definitely that I've regressed if you think about the film Benjamin Button, who's watched that, if you think about that, yeah, so basically my life is that, except rather than ageing backwards physically, it's just a steady increase of, like, fart jokes and poo jokes and cat videos. Like, it's just got more and more intense Than by the end it's just like a a mad montage of just cats and shit and farts and stuff like that. So that's basically been bit of my life. And, um... And I was talking to my mum about it and she was like, oh, Suzanne, you've always been a very, very serious child, a very worried child, a very anxious child. I was like, I was a baby. That's your fault then, isn't it? <laughs> like, I don't know right from wrong. If I've come out of the womb anxious, that's on you, man. I've done, I've done nothing. But I do think that she's right. I do think I've always been quite a serious child. Uh, case in point, um, me and my little sister used to play this game. It's a really um, well-known childhood game. You may know it. It's called Librarians. Um, <laughs> has anyone played Librarians? <laughs> Have you? Did someone say yes? Really? What? Really? Oh, <laughs> you losers. <laughs> that is so sad that is fucking sad oh my god I'm gonna give okay if you haven't played Librarians I'll tell you how the game goes it goes like this I stand behind a table my little sister who doesn't want to play Librarians yeah. walks in with a book she comes up to me at the table she gives me the book I stamp the book I give the book back she walks out the room with the book. She comes back into the room with another book. She comes to the table. She gives me the book. I stamp the book. I give the book back. She walks out the room with the book and she comes back in with another book. And I start, do, do you see how that, was that how your game went? Yeah, was that, was that how it went? Were you the librarian or were you the, you weren't. So you had the more testing role. I was typecast at a very early age. <laughs> now, we were playing this game for a long time. And uh, one day, I was about six or seven, which is, I've, loads of times when I've done stories, this is a story, by the way, um, loads of times when I've done stories on Guilty Feminists, I'm always about six or seven. So I'll tell my therapist that. Um, <laughs> so when I was about six or seven, I was playing the librarian. And I did this thing. I all of a sudden became very aware of my breath. I was like, <sighs> like that my little sister's in front of me like when's she gonna stamp this book (laughs) I've got to go to Safeways (laughs) who remembers Safeways
5: (laughs) that shows your age
4: and um, so I was like (sighs) (sighs) like that (sighs) oh god that's really weird and then I started making sounds I started doing this I started going "Uh, uh, uh." and all of a sudden guys all of a sudden I had no idea where my voice came from. And I started freaking out. I, start, I was like, how am I making sound? How am I making sound? How has that gone from breath to sound? How has that gone from... I am six. I should be playing with, I don't know, Tamagotchis and some shit. I'm there worrying about how sound is made. I didn't talk for a week because I was terrified. I was so terrified, I stopped speaking for a week. So, um... That's me. So how have I become a lighter, happier person? Uh, <laughs> don't laugh. Don't laugh, dibs. So how have I become a lighter, happier person? So basically, you know, life happens, things happen, and, you know, some sad things happen. And I made a decision about a year after my dad died. My dad died when I was about 24, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to be out there. I'm going to, you know, start taking up new hobbies, doing new things. I'm going to start putting myself out there. And, of course, one of the things that a lot of idiot heterosexual people will start doing when they start taking risks, is they start taking risks with dating. Idiot. Why? Just go and jump out of a plane. Just go and dye your hair a different colour. Oh, I'm going to find a heterosexual man and start making some risks. <laughs> idiot. Anyway, so, um... <laughs> idiot. When has that ever panned out right? <laughs> so anyway, I decided to take some risks. And... Um, <laughs> Guys, I love you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Can you tell? I'm so glad to be back. And uh, as a celebration of me being back, I'm going to tell you a story. It's from a really well-known book amongst my circles. Uh, they're called The Ho Diaries. And um, <laughs> this was a time when I was just I was, putting it, I was putting it out there. I was just putting it out there. And all my friends, they had their favourite Ho Diary story. This is mine. Um, for all the fans out there, this is called hair dryer man mm. what, what's she talking about? I'll tell you so um, I met a guy in a the gym, there we go, idiot idiot, Was stupid, horrible, horrible beginner, met a guy in a gym and he was buff. he was big, he was like Channing Tatum and I don't normally go for that but he came up to me and he was told me that I was doing something wrong and um, probably, no he wouldn't, I wouldn't date someone he does that, I wouldn't <clears throat> and um... <coughs> or would I because being a feminist is quite tiring. Sometimes you just need somebody to tell you what to do. Um, no, I didn't. So he came up to me, said something about equipment. I was like, mm. and then he was like, can I have your number? I was like, sure. Anyway, we met up in Elephant Castle. Um, Weatherspoons. Oh my God, it just came back to me. I forgot that. Weatherspoons, Elephant Castle. You know this is going to be good. And uh, we sat down, and he's there. He's a banker of some sort. I was like, of course he is. And then um, we sit down and um, he isn't drinking, which is I, I actually really appreciate because I didn't really want to have a drink. wanted to be aware. Again, like I'm obviously suspicious about this. I'm like, I'm not going to drink. I'm just not going to drink. I'm going to be aware. Um, that's not a good date. So um, I swear to God, about five minutes in, he goes, so what are you into in bed? And I, listen, I'm too curious for my own fucking good. So I'm there like, I'm going to see this through. So I was like... Um, Well, it really depends on the moment and the person and loads of, loads of variables. Um, What do you like? And he went, well. (laughs) So glad, I'm so glad your answer was so uh, short. Um, I like, I like being completely naked. I was like, revolutionary. (laughs) Well done, clever boy. I like being completely naked. And I like the woman that I'm with to be completely clothed because it makes me feel like a naughty boy. (laughs) No, listen, don't judge. Everyone has their kink, all right? Everyone has their kink. But it's funny, isn't it? It's weird. (laughs) I was Listen, I never thought that the line that would get me into bed would be that. Because he said that, and I was like, I need to go back to this man's house. I need to investigate. I need to have a look at his family photos. I need to do a proper CSI, like, scan of the place. I need to know who he is. So I was like, done. And then a few minutes after, he was like, would you like to come back to mine? I was like, yes, please. (laughs) So we're walking to his. I'm messaging my mates. I'm like, we're going. We're doing this. I'm going to tell you what I find. I'm going to find some antlers or something like that. I don't know. All my friends are like, please. Be safe. Drop in the location. Stop being an idiot. You're clearly grieving. Um, I go, so I go to his yard, and uh, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. It's like he got his laundry bag and did this and threw it everywhere. It was really strange. So I walked in and I went, oh. um, it's, it's a bit messy, is it? And then he went, "Oh yeah, not not a care in the world." He's like, "Oh yeah, no, my cleaner's just uh, she's off for Christmas." And I went, oh, "Silly bitch, <laughs> off for Christmas? What?" Like, and he didn't didn't make a didn't make a noise. He just looked at me. I was like, "I meant." I was saying, how dare she be off for Christmas, but Christmas is perfectly normal time, so you should probably clean up after you. I'm going to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom, messaged my mates, I was like, guys, this isn't working out. I look up in the bathroom. You know that I told you about um, Benjamin Button and shit and fart montage? Do you remember? Imagine that without the cats. That was his bathroom. This place was the dirtiest motherfucking place I've ever seen. There, it was. There was brown residue on places that I didn't know. Brown residue. Yes, yes. Gasp. Yes. Gasp. Yes. Gasp. I walked in. I was like, ha, ha, ha. and I'm not a germaphobe, man. I've shat in a hole in Malaysia. I'm fine. But I was like, yo, this is mad. What is this? There was residue in the shower. I was like, that doesn't that hasn't come from a human body. That stuff hasn't come from a human body. So I messaged my mates going, okay, do you know what I think this has gone too far? I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave actually. I go to the sink, it's crusty. I'm there with my elbows. like making him sound with the sink so that he knows that I'm doing something. I was like, oh no guys, no, no actually no, I'm gonna go I am gonna like take pictures, take pictures, they're like leave now, please. You're gonna catch something. I touch his towel, it's rock hard. His towel is rock hard. I thought, wow, I've caught scurvy off a towel that's good so I'm like right okay I'm gonna leave I'm gonna leave I'm gonna open the door and I'm gonna just say yo I'm not feeling it don't even have to give you a reason because feminism so I walk out the door and I was like yo not feeling it man was completely naked and it was um, I'm a feminist but but it was beautiful man I've never seen I've never seen abs like that and I don't care for abs but I did that day and I went Um, So we go to, he was like, oh, should we go to the bedroom? I was like, nah, front room, please. Um, (laughs) If your bathroom's like, I don't want to know what your sleeping quarters are like. So we go to the front room. It's, there is nothing there. It's like, it's like he doesn't live there. I think he broke in and it's not his. (laughs) There was nothing. I think there was like a big tub of protein shake. That was the only thing that was there. And I think there was a lamp. But there was also one other item. Remember the title of this uh, story? Bear with me. So we're on the sofa. We're having a little kissy, 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 kissy. kissy. I'm kissing Danny's body. Danny's body. I'm thinking, Channotain. it doesn't matter that he's dirty. It doesn't matter that he's a dirty, Channotain. it's Jam and I'm a magic mic. Yeah, this man has germs everywhere. I don't care. I don't care. I need this. My body needs this. And then, uh, so my head is down. I'm kissing like the torso because I'm trying to be sexy in it. And then all I hear, my head is down, kissing. And then all I hear is this. I sort of didn't want to look up, I thought, nope, nope, not today, Satan, not today, not today, I'm not doing it, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have this body. So I look up, I look up, and my man is lying there, reclined, comfortable, with a hairdryer on his torso. And he's just (laughs) on his torso, just on his nipple, on the other nipple, and he's looking at me deadpan. (laughs) So I go, (laughs) I go, you're all right. (laughs) Not even. What are you doing? I went, you're all right, and he just went. (laughs) Sometimes I just get cold. and now we're married. No, we're not. (laughs) No, we're not. Anyway, I mean, why have I regressed? It could be a manner of reasons. It could be, you know, you become woke and you realise the world is really, really scary and then you're like, oh my gosh, I've just got to, you know, go out and dance and not think about it or, you know, the rainforest is fucking tearing down. You donate, you plant a tree or whatever and then you just go off and do something stupid because you want to forget about it for a little bit. And uh, the way that things are going, I swear, I swear to fuck, if we have another general election. I will find that hairdryer man. (laughs) And I will marry him. Thank you very much. (laughs) Fine folk of King's Place, put your hands together for Deborah Francis
0: (laughs)
5: White!
0: So I thought about fresh starts, and I thought, I have a couple of experiences where I think are not unique but unusual, and I thought this could be uh, useful advice for anybody having this kind of fresh start. So what advice have I got? So the first one is, if you want to become a Jehovah's Witness, (laughs) like first week, first month, what should you know? Advice for new Jehovah's Witnesses. Have we got anyone in who's transitioning in that direction towards...? Okay. All right. well, if anyone wants to, uh, first thing you need to know is your Jehovah's Witness name, which is different from your regular name. Uh, if you want to know your Jehovah's Witness name, you take your regular name and you put sister in front of it. <laughs> so what would your name be? Sister Eyelash.
5: Eyelash.
0: I feel that's you. You've been drinking. Not <laughs> sister Eyelash. Okay. Um, or brother, if you're a man. Uh, next thing you need to know is brothers are always right even if they're wrong. And actually, especially if they're wrong, because then they'll have to demonstrate that they're right because they'll be feeling insecure. I mean, because they're respecting Jehovah's loving arrangement of men having headship and women being in subjection to men. Jehovah is a man. Jesus is a man. The Holy Spirit is a spirit who is a man. LAUGHTER But God made men and women in his image. It is not clear how women are in God's image when God is only and exclusively a man. But if you tell a brother that perhaps Jehovah is both a man and a woman, or a non-binary combination of the two, he will know that you are wrong and he is right, but he will not know why he is right, (laughs) and he will not be able to explain how you are wrong. And this will make him angry because he is frustrated. I mean, because you are not respecting God's loving arrangement by acknowledging the brother's headship and being in subjection to him. However, this can be fun. (laughs) Because him getting more and more frustrated at not understanding how you are wrong and he is right, when logic determines that you are right and he is wrong, is enjoyable. Long-term, it will get you disfellowshipped and shunned by everyone you love. But (laughs) short-term... enjoyable. Those are the things you need to know. Now, another thing that I did where I felt like I had an induction period, I studied English at Oxford University. Uh, These are things you need to know if you are going to do that. This is things I learned early on. If you want to study English at Oxford University, uh, you have to learn to speak Anglo-Saxon inside one year. That's old English. No one can do this. Everyone knows this, including the faculty Everyone knows this is an impossible task. But to pretend that you can, you have to learn off by heart long passages of very, very, very boring Anglo-Saxon poetry, all written by men and mostly translated by men and often deconstructed by men. The men who wrote this Anglo-Saxon Old English poetry are always miserable. (laughs) One poem, and therefore poet, is called uh, The Seafarer. Uh, He is bored of being at sea, but it takes him a thousand pages to describe the ways in which he is bored, pissed off and lonely. He doesn't have the internet, so writing this helps him stay sane, but doesn't do the same for the reader. Another one of the poets is called The Wanderer. He is the same as The Seafarer, except on land. Neither of these lengthy texts pass the Bechdel test, because there are no women in them at all. Uh, The Dream of the Road, or the Rood, is the only fun Anglo-Saxon poem because in it, Jesus' crucifix comes alive like a Disney animation and talks. It's funny. You're not allowed to laugh at it, though. It's not meant to be funny. It also doesn't pass the Bechdel test unless you're a woman and you imagine the crucifix is a woman, but even then, not really because the crucifix only talks about Jesus, who is a man. Some of the things that you learn during your first week as a Jehovah's Witness will help you in your first week at Oxford, (laughs) like Jesus is a man. You must wear a black academic gown, as if you are in chariots of fire, at least twice a week for meals, depending on your college. For examinations, you must wear a white shirt and a black velvet neck ribbon and black trousers or a black skirt underneath the black academic gown. Under the trousers or skirt, you must wear black tights or black socks. For examinations, If you forget the black socks, a man will come up to your desk while you're writing out by heart, I mean translating from the text, <laughs> a particularly boring Anglo-Saxon piece of poetry that is particularly difficult to remember because you hate it. The man will leave a note on your desk that says, you must remember your socks tomorrow or you will not be allowed to sit the examination this helps you be better at English. (laughs) The next thing you need to know about Oxford is that at Oxford, orgasm is spelt maudlin and pronounced breakfast. (laughs) There are lots of these. New college is very old and must never just be called new the way maudlin is called maudlin, while it is meaning breakfast and being pronounced orgasm. Rich men made up these rules so they could spot poor men trying to pretend to be rich. To this day, rich men who went to Oxford can spot a poor man who doesn't know that breakfast doesn't mean breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) Those rich men are cleverer than the poor men and definitely cleverer than all women. Their rules are good at making sure they are the ones who run the country... Because if they didn't, it might be run by someone who doesn't know what they're doing. (laughs) And doesn't know that while breakfast doesn't mean breakfast, Brexit does mean Brexit. Um, It might be run by someone who isn't good at dealing with other countries who don't have Oxford. Um, These rich men are always right even if they're wrong, and actually especially if they're wrong, because then they'll have to demonstrate that they're right because they'll be feeling insecure. I mean because they're respecting Brexit's loving arrangement. (laughs) Sometimes they get cross if they don't know how they're right and you're wrong, and that can be fun. Thank you. Hello, Guilty Feminists. Exciting news if you live in the United States of America or Canada because tickets are going on sale very soon for our American tour. We are going to Boston, New York City, Philadelphia, Chicago, Toronto, Vancouver, San Francisco, Seattle and Los Angeles. Tickets will go on sale on the 18th of October, but because you are a Guilty Feminist listener, you can get in there and snaffle some early before they all sell out on the 16th of October. Pop that in your diary. But you will need the code, the special code, GUILTY, in order to get those tickets ahead of the heaving masses. Now, if you want to know the date we are coming to you, go to guiltyfeminist.com and you can put that in your diary too. It's all there. If you are thinking, well, I don't live in America, don't worry, we're coming to you, Manchester, to the podcast festival on the 5th of November. And we're coming to you, Dublin, for the podcast festival, too, on Wednesday, the 6th of November. On the 26th of November, I'm doing something very special, an evening with Emma Thompson, Greg Wise and guests at Barbican Hall. I am hosting it. So exciting. It's a tie-in with the last Christmas film and book. The book's proceeds go to charity and I have written a piece for the book. There's lots of much more famous people than me that have written a piece about their Christmas there too. So come along to that. You're going to have an incredible night and you're going to be able to get a very, very beautiful book, 26th of November. On the 28th of November, Thursday the 28th, I will be at Intelligence Squared with Yvette Cooper and Daisy Goodwin to discuss some of the inspiring women's speeches in Yvette's new book. And on Tuesday, the 3rd of December, we'll be back in Manchester at the Manchester Palace for the Secret Policeman's Tour. That's right, the Guilty Feminist and Amnesty International team up to bring back the legendary Secret Policeman comedy brand. We are going to have an incredible night for you. If you want to know what kind of night, you can look on our Guilty Feminist feed because we've already done two incredible Secret Policeman's Tour shows this year in London and Edinburgh. So you'll be able to hear highlights from those to know what the show is going to be like. It really will be something special. So please come along. Details of all those shows are at guiltyfeminist.com. Go there right now. Pause this. Go there. Get yourself some tickets and then listen to the rest of the show.
1: From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning
0: for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen are the author of the play A History of Water in the Middle East, the head of a not for profit organisation that connects refugees in the UK with potential employers, and someone who used the services of that organisation. Please welcome to the stage Sabrina Mafouz, Chris Whitehead, and Reem Othman. <laughs>
3: Hello, I'm Sabrina Mefouz, I'm a writer, um, performer, and um, I'm very happy to be here, thank you. Ooh. Lovely. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. yes, Chris.
2: Hi, I'm Chris, and I run a social enterprise called SEEK, which helps refugees find work.
6: <laughs> and Reem. Hi, my name is Reem, um, I'm a master's student here doing gender violence and conflict, and I'm kind of working with the Sikh somehow. And I'm also happy to be here. <laughs> Amazing.
0: So Sabrina, you are about to do a play called A History of Water in the Middle East. Could you tell us about it?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it's called cool a play, but it's probably a show, really. I think I do shows more than plays. I don't know what the difference is, but I always have music and all sorts of things happening. So I still have like the version of a play in my head of it being like, in a lounge and a lot of posh people arguing about stuff that is like wow these are your problems (laughs) um so yeah but it's a show and um it's there's a a musician kareem samara who's um composing and doing the music live on stage and then a singer and actor laura hannah who's on stage with me and um we're just telling a story about the british presence in the Middle East and how historically the waterways of the Middle East have been completely integral to the British Empire becoming and sustaining what it was for so long. And I think that's uh, something that's not discussed that much when people discuss empire in this country, if they ever discuss empire in this country. Um, The Middle East kind of gets left out, I think probably because we're still there. Um, (laughs) And so it's kind of looking at that and it's like a lecture, but as a gig, because lectures are boring. So, trying to make it a bit more fun. So, is this yeah. an entertaining TED talk? But we don't know it's a TED talk because you've lured us in by making it uh, yeah, I guess uh, so, brilliant. A little bit. It's a bit longer than fifteen minutes, but it's probably not longer than like an hour and a half because I get really bored of plays that are longer than an hour and a half. So, I usually leave in the interval if it's going to be longer than that because I'm like, I've got a kid. Life is short. This play is long. <laughs> even if it's good, like even if I'm enjoying it, I'm still like, wow you just got to be like, listen... If you can't say it in
4: an
0: hour and a half, like... It's true. It's true. Yeah, Wagner. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. Blah, 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 white guy. (laughs) Um, I kind of agree with you. I love it when it's like one act in and out. I mean, I sometimes accidentally do shows that are too long, so I (laughs) I I am very much a pot and a kettle. It sounds like a really interesting subject, and you're going to do a poem from it for a little bit later?
3: Um, Yeah. Great. Amazing. Okay, great. So where is the show at? Uh, uh, it's at the Royal Court Theatre, 10th of October till the 16th of November.
4: Amazing. And isn't it like there's so many, there's quite a few shows at the moment that are sort of, Changing—they're that not sort of exactly what you say in terms of like posh people shouting at each other at night. You're seeing like the show Misty by Rinzé Kenne, and then you have there's a new play written by Jackie Kay at the Bush where it's sort of more gig theatre. Yeah. And is that something? I know that you've never sort of done things that are like in a linear way, but you've seen that being like more prolific in terms of like theatres scheduling stuff and going. Lift, we want to do something that isn't the norm or whatever the norm is.
3: Yeah, I think the people who are running theatres have just. Got to the age where they've been part of that happening. I, like that's just what happens, I suppose. Like I'm at that age now where the things that I've always wanted to make work about when I was younger, and I'd be like, oh, I just want to do something about garage and Ironapa. People would be like what? <laughs> <laughs> But obviously now, all the people who are in those positions to programme are like, oh, I love garage, oh, I went to Napa. So it's really different. So you're just like moving in the same sort of age range as the people who are making decisions. So yeah, they're much more open to having things that have this like multi-art form feel to them, as well as programming the more traditional stuff, because obviously some people do that in an amazing way as well.
0: And this is about the actual water in the Middle East being controlled by the West,
3: Yeah, it's just using water because I think when the Middle East is spoken about it's usually talked of in terms of oil which I think Mm. somehow makes it because it's like such an economic, financial thing people, for some reason oil is easier for them to understand but actually when you start talking about it's about the access to the waterways which enable them to get somewhere quicker Mm. it's like how would you fight a war over that? Mm. You're going to literally invade a country so you can use their bit of river well yeah, That is what they're doing. And Chris, could you tell us about Seek, please?
2: Sure. So as I said, it's a social enterprise and we help refugees find work. And the way we do that is through our online job platform for refugees. So refugees sign up. We give them CV help, uh, interview practice, job seeking advice, and then connections to opportunities. And for employers, it's a really great place to find this pool of amazing talent because often refugee skills are massively underutilized a couple of studies have shown that the turnover rate of refugee employees is way lower than other employees. So it's just a great source of people, and they've had a, a tough enough time often. And one thing that I don't think is very well reported is how tough it can be for refugees once they've got to the UK, because we hear a lot about the journey and them getting here. But um, when they get here, they have to go through, as you know, the asylum-seeking process, which can, for some people, take years, especially at the moment, because there's a massive backlog uh, with the Home Office. And people have to, uh, they get £5.39 per day to live off, which is really nothing, um, which means that people are just slowly put into poverty.
0: And also like mental stasis as well, exactly, like, because exactly. you can't study, you can't work, you can't do anything and your life gets put on hold forever. Exactly. Just waiting and waiting and, and, and anything the, can really affect people's mental health.
2: The social isolation, basically, they're in a new country where they don't really know anyone and they're not allowed to work. They're not really allowed to do anything. So
0: you're fighting that law as well? Um,
2: So yeah, we are. There's this um, campaign which has been run by this charity called Refugee Action. It's called Lift the Ban. So asylum seekers, they're currently not allowed to work. And the Home Office is currently reviewing whether they should be allowed to work. So I'd really recommend if you get a chance, there's a petition. If you Google Lift the Ban or I'll post it on our social media after this. Our social media is at HelloSeek it'd be amazing if you could sign up because they're making a decision on this at the moment and it's really important.
0: And can employers get involved? How do they find you?
2: Sure, so employers can Google us. Uh, We're called Seek UK, or the website is seekuk.org, so S-E-E-K-U-K dot org. And employers can literally sign up, post a job for free, start receiving applications and then hopefully hire someone.
0: Great. And Reem, you've used this service. Can you tell us about you?
6: Yeah, so... um I met Chris a couple of weeks ago, uh, and we had a discussion about my background, what I've been doing, what I have been studying, and my experience, and uh, we already started working on kind of exploring job opportunities related to my experience in the field. It's still very fresh. We just started two weeks ago, but I think it's, um, I'm very optimistic about it, and Chris has been telling me about, like, great employers, like, big names corporates and Mm -hmm. employers they're working with and you've already had three uh, refugees hired
2: so that was last week yeah Yeah. we've had a total of 12 in the last two months i think now
0: well that's amazing and Reem, what were you doing before i know you said backstage you don't like labels yes so i don't want you to say what you are but what's your journey been like okay and i don't mean like susan's pole dancing (laughs) journey no I mean, uh, you it's nothing like that. Where did you begin? Where did you go to next? And where are you now? If you see what I mean.
6: Okay, so in a nutshell, I was born and raised in Syria, uh, moved to Jordan in 2012 when I was 19. Got a scholarship, started my uh, bachelor's in Jordan. Worked for an NGO for five years. Worked on women's rights with youth, young people on different issues. Then, for some reason, I thought I should do my masters. I was like. Yeah, I should do that. And yeah, we
0: relate to that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people here are like, I don't want to do a master's.
6: Yeah. So, so, so. so I'm here. I'm here uh, now. Um, I moved to Brighton a year ago. and I, So that's my second fresh start. And my third fresh start is now when I, I just moved to London. So I'm starting again in London, looking for jobs and building my life again here.
0: And was your journey from Jordan to here straightforward or difficult?
6: I lived in Jordan for six years. It was very challenging, but I think I would rather live it again if I had the opportunity than come here. Honestly, with all due respect to the UK. And <laughs> Is that because uh, no, I don't know why? It's it was really, because... it's really challenging. I mean, honestly, I'm not the best person to hear from about the situation in Jordan because everyone can tell you that I'm the only Syrian who loves Jordan, and. <laughs> Even my Jordanian friends are always so amazed of how much I love Jordan and why I would even love Jordan. It's an amazing country, but the situation is getting really hard there. And for Syrians, the policies, the laws, everything is getting... It's so hard for a Syrian to live there. Uh, And yes, it's been very challenging in terms of finding a job, traveling around, leaving the country, uh, going back to the country. But I loved it. It's what shaped me. And And you were working in a post for an NGO around gendered violence... Yes, I was working for an NGO, and I did a couple of roles, but uh, the most recent one was women's rights and gender equality, mostly working with youth and adolescent girls, which is also an amazing uh, thing. Uh, Yeah, basically working on rights, campaigning, uh, changing in policies and community uh, mobilizing. Mm. And so uh, what kind of role would you like here? Ideally... Something working with refugees, uh, focusing on gender equality and opportunities for women, especially labeling. I'm going to be using labels here, but it's a fact. People who have uh, more challenges getting uh, opportunities, uh, getting jobs, building their new life here. It's a very different country from where they come from. Mm. And I would love to, because I understand the experience, and I would love to be able to be there to be next to these people to be with them. So if any of our listeners uh, have such a role, could they get in touch with
0: seekuk.org and tell Chris we would like to hire Reem. And whatever you're thinking about paying her, could you add double 50 it? 50 p- right.
5: <laughs>
0: See I was gonna say add fifty percent and Reem is a better negotiator than me. So, if you could double that for Reem, because she's now living in London. Uh, And, yes, it's expensive.
6: London's expensive. Uh, Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, Chris, could you hire Reem? Because it sounds ideal for her to work for SEEK, I think I've seen a solution to both your problems. Done. Let's all go home. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just saying. Do you need money for more staff and better facilities?
2: We are actually looking for funding at the moment, yeah. Um, So we're grant-funded. So uh, we should say this, the way that we're not-for-profit, but so that we can keep the show running, we take a small fee per placement from employers. Well, obviously, refugees pay absolutely nothing for it. And our goal is to get sustainable, but to get there, we might need to raise a little bit more funding.
0: Okay, so if you've got money, <laughs> um, if anyone's got funding, but people do, some people work for corporates and, you know, they've got pots of cash that corporate responsibility. So you're looking at someone now, you're looking at her going, come on, you work for Accenture. What, yeah, yeah I you are looking at your friend like, you know. Did you nudge her for she money? She going to look at me that way. Oh, you thought, thought she, she was yeah. going to look at you. You got on first, I see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's your corporate responsibility pot? Um, So if you've got any money and you think, I think this is really, really worth doing because, you know, the amount of refugees I meet who are like Reem, who are like, yeah, I was working for an NGO in gender equality or I was doing this or I I was a lawyer and now it's so hard to kind of change the qualifications over and I want to work at a law firm in order that I can do that at the same time. And, you know, the amount of people I... And look, refugees are human beings. They don't all have to be doctors. You know, that's not the point. But it seems ridiculous to have this incredible resource of human beings sitting around doing nothing in a holding pattern because they can't get papers or they can get papers, but they can't get a job because Mm. of perception. So I love what you're doing, Chris. I think it's absolutely great. Is there anything else you need to tell us about SEEK you want us to know or anything else you need that someone in this room might have for you? A desk. <laughs> a, a Air. Oh okay.
2: it's like a shopping list. Yeah. Like, can I send out Yeah,
0: yeah. anything you need?
2: Yeah, office space would be amazing. Office space, okay. Yeah. Has anyone
0: got <laughs> office space? How many people are working in your office?
2: Uh, so at the moment just two of us. Just
0: two. done. Small office. Okay. One. Who's got room for two people in their office that reckon <laughs> they could make it happen that does. Could anyone host two people in their office or think they might be able to speak to someone? Yeah, you could what's your name? David. 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 David, uh, hold on. We don't know who he is. He could be a. I he, don't he, care. <laughs> Did you not hear my story? I he don't could, give a. He, no, I know. He's actually. He could be the hair hairdry oh, man. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need more information, David. I would. Where's your office? Stanmore. Where's that? That's very very west, isn't it? West. Okay. Northwest. 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 north-west. How's Northwest for you, Chris? It's
2: better than nothing. <laughs>
0: okay. but, but so far we have better than nothing. <laughs> Uh, so it is at your office so what them what are you, you doing you live there in the office yeah. uh, what tell me more Dave <laughs> <laughs> this might be a conversation for the bar Dave uh, but you, you reckon it's a lot but we have a room for two people and an office amazing okay. it's so awful how we can solve it is there anything else you need? Computers or help with somebody to build your website or anything like that?
2: That's it from us. Because um, I'm
0: getting a thrill off this now. I want more.
6: Yeah. <laughs> Reem, is there anything you need? Maybe some guidance on how to enjoy London. Oh, are unemployed. Think.
0: Guidance on how to enjoy London. Ah, well, Susan McComa is literally your I'm having a great there. time. That's, she, do you Damn. like pole dancing? Because... She can hook you up. I could hook you up. Yeah. Or you could just watch. Okay. No,
4: yeah, that's deeply inappropriate. Ream, Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I mean. I am here to lower the
0: tone. We know this. She, she listened to the she other episodes that backstage to the guests. She said, I'm specifically here to lower the tone. And is there anything before we hear your poem, Sabrina, that we can do for you?
3: I've got this book out on the 3rd of October called... Woo smashing it, working class artists and life art making it happen, I've edited it, it's got loads of famous artists from the UK in all different forms um, film and visual art and literature uh, talking about the obstacles they faced and ways forward and also just people sharing new bits of work, so yeah, get that if you can for people who might need it. Great. Okay, so everyone get that
0: book. It's called Smashing It, and it's about working-class artists. It's got a longer title about working-class artists' life. Uh, it, it goes around a corner. Um,
3: uh, Sabrina, you have a poem. Well, I mean, it's not a poem, really, but I have some, we're, we're over tight, is that right? Don't worry about that. It that is, is just a guide
4: See, but that's an artist. That's somebody who's working in oh, performance. No. You're like, I can see that. That's red. No, yeah, that's, that's also
3: someone who's done a lot of poetry nights. Where you're like, seriously, you're over. <laughs> no, uh, that's a, uh, that's a patriarchal structure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> time is time was dis. This chopping up of time was invented by the patriarchy. <laughs> it's just a concept. I really want to hear this, so don't uh, rush. So it's
3: not really a poem, but it's just an extract from. The show, which would usually have obviously lots of other people doing this with me, so I'm just kind of going to see how it goes with just me doing it and cutting bits out. Um, Please welcome Separated My furs Thanks. Um, so part of the framing of the show is that um, I was I worked for the Ministry of Defence for a while, and I was. Um, applying to be part of the intelligence services and um, part of that was having, this isn't part of the show, this isn't my intro to you of this bit that I'm going to read, this is why I'm glad with time is a construct, um, and part of that interview process with a real intelligence services person was a very prolonged interrogation of life. And this is like pre-Facebook days, so they actually had to meet everyone in your life and actually look at what you may have done, because there were no photo evidence of what you have done for all to see. Um, So anyway, as part of this interview, he asked very strange questions which I use in the play to um, start sections off, such as, sex with an animal. Wow. It's a standard question Miss Mafuz. We are looking for anything that might give enemies leverage here. Remember, as long as we know it, we can contain it. <laughs> Have you ever had sex with an animal? Depends, I suppose. <laughs> on what exactly? Depends on definitions my definition of an animal might be your definition of a hero, a legend, a lost soul seeking solace in a young girl's hair it might be something that exists only in a cage something to be eaten or petted, stroked or thrown onto a bed before you can count how many legs it has, now the music comes in how many legs, how many many legs how many legs, how many many legs, how many legs how many many legs, legs? France, you get five mostly North African except Syria and Lebanon legs don't kick too hard, Russia your legs aren't really legs, you're gonna get arms, yes a few arms to share with Iran as long as you leave the legs to us and just Britain, our fair are ye. You are the legs of this operation. You are the one who will walk the walk, legs up, down, march them all around you, my dearest dear. You get one way or another one leg Egypt, two leg Cyprus, three leg Iraq, four leg Jordan, five leg Palestine, six leg Saudi, seven leg Kuwait, eight leg Qatar, nine leg Bahrain, ten leg UAE, eleven leg Oman, twelve leg Yemen. Yemen. In 2019, the UN declares it is suffering the worst man made humanitarian crisis in all of history. 22 million require aid. 100,000 children under five have died of starvation. Lines drawn by greed, impatience and ego on who needs to go home early to say sorry for their infidelity. So can we just draw the line? Can we just get on with it? Because there's not much to it, is there? There's not much more that we're doing here than just drawing a line in the godforsaken sand, is there? your 12th leg not allowed a shred of the wetness you're famous for 98% of Yemeni women have been sexually assaulted during this four-year drawn-out conflict where will they wash themselves Will they scrub with sand grains Until they regain the glass hours They've lost to lines and legs Drawn by lords Made into marble statues Soaked with rain Engraved with their names For all of time Whilst they can't even find The graves of their children Can't rid their skin of intrusion Intrusion, invasion, intervention All the same old war And no amount of water Can wash it away This is an old, old war This is an old, old war Blame us for the drought Blame us for the th- blame us for the waves taking us all under burn us for your palace burn us for your crown burn us for our bodies taking us all down we carry history on our shoulders we carry history in our hearts we've carried ourselves over mountains to end up drowning in the sea this is an old old war Anything else that you're doing, Sabrina, that you'd like us to know about? Um, I've got a kid's poetry book out as well that I've edited on the same day. Of course day, you have. I don't of October, know why I bothered so to ask. <laughs> <Of course laughs> it's you a really have. lovely book for Christmas. It's called Poems from a Green and Blue Planet and it's like, inspired by the environment. It's got loads of new poets in there alongside all the old guys. So, yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. So yes. pick that up for a child this Christmas. Big round of applause
0: for Sabrina Booth! so much to everyone at the London Podcast Festival you've been so amazing please go and see other shows uh, can I say a big round of applause for our incredible guests Chris Raven, and Sabrina my amazing co You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Susan McComber, and our very special guests, Sabrina Mahfouz, Chris Whitehead, and Reem Othman. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. Music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Selinski for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Zoe, Sally, and everyone at King's Place, as well as all of you, for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Angle. It's not as flattering as anyone would imagine, and no one would imagine it to be flattering. So, look, this way is fine. Do
5: you want
0: want a natural one? (laughs) You got some, do you think? Yeah, good. All right, thank you. Um, Thank you, everyone who's making the London... You're doing
1: more. (laughs)
5: Um.
1: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life.